Garnett comes out on LeBron. Now they switch and here's Pierce again. A Smith screen. Posey will defend. Oh! LeBron James with no regard for human life has given the Cavaliers their biggest lead tonight. For the double team, Gasol now the single coverage by Landry. Ariza dropped down. Kobe! Oh! Up high! Down hard! Kobe Bryant! The Asman and Beauty Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to the Asman and Budick Show. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budick. Now joining us on the phone line. You hear him everywhere on CBS, Westwood One, and of course TNT Sports. Kevin Harlan and Kevin's calling tomorrow night's Golden State Warriors game and Los Angeles Clippers game for TNT. And he's nice enough to give us a couple minutes of his time. Kevin, how are you? Guys, good to be on. Doing great. Hope you're doing well. It's uh, kind of getting the uh, nitty gritty here of the NFL season and beginning a very exciting NBA season. Well, starting off, Kevin, with the defending champion Golden State Warriors, 12-0 and to start things off here in 2015. Are they better this year than last year? They might be. You know, even though the names are the same, roster is basically the same. They've added a couple players here and there, but this is basically the same team, same names on the back of their uniforms. But you can't help but be different with a championship um all the notoriety, an MVP award in the case of Curry, uh, you're, you're different. I mean, just it, it, there's, there's not a person that could go through all that and not be different. You want them to be different. Maybe a little bit more swagger. And I think what really makes it intriguing now is that teams, especially in the preseason, began to take shots at them, saying, well, they were just healthier than everybody else. They had every weapon they possibly could have. Uh, you know, Cleveland was down a couple of starters in two very important parts. And, uh, you know, had we been as healthy on and on and on, and I think that's kind of weighed on the, on the Warriors a little bit and uh, served as, as ammunition as they go into this season. If they're looking for motivation, I think they found it, and the record would reflect that. Now, Kevin, the other big story in the NBA today, the Rockets fired Kevin McHale after their 4-7 and seven start. You know, after making it to the Western Conference Finals a season ago, are you surprised that this early in the season they're making a coaching change? Stunned. You never know what's going on inside a locker room, inside an organization, unless you are inside those places. And so from afar, I can't really, you know, speak to the particulars, but it seems to me shocking that they would give up so quickly after just kind of a, uh, you know, uh, a remarkable, surprising season of a year ago. Now, I'm not sure how much of this was reflective in the attitude and the performance of Harden, who has not, you know, probably gotten off to the kind of start he envisioned. He was injured in the preseason, so he didn't really have the chance to do the things that he normally does, or Howard, or whoever. I'm not sure what, what was going on. I know there was a great deal that, that uh, you know, a head coach has to go through and for Kevin McHale on top of you know dealing with the team he just lost a very close friend in Flip Saunders they've been together up in Minnesota I really don't know you know the particulars but I was just absolutely shocked to see to see that this morning and the reasons are going to be varied and they're going to come trickling out I'm sure over the next couple of days yeah obviously a very uh, a stunning fire for the Houston Rockets uh, Kevin, switching over uh, to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron made a comment saying how his team is not as hungry as the Golden State Warriors are right now. What have you seen from LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers so far here in 2015? 
Well, James is probably very concerned about his own individual health. He's got a back issue, which is, uh, I, I think, caused him more concern and more problems than he thought. And he might be more just right off the bat concerned about that. Um, everybody's been paid now. LeBron's been paid. Tristan Thompson's been paid. Love has been paid. You know, and there is some documentation to say that when guys have gotten that big payday, that, that record contract, uh, that their performance doesn't quite equal what that contract would support. And maybe LeBron is pointing a little bit to that. You need a voice in that locker room, especially one like LeBron James, that's going to you know, speak from the heart but speak truthfully. And he does. He has no problem voicing his opinion, a lot like Kobe Bryant was in his heyday. He would say what was on his mind, and usually that's good for the team. I, I think this is good for the Cavaliers. I think it's good for them to hear this, and expectations are always ratcheted up. You make that kind of contract, you make the finals the year before, uh, there are more expectations. That just kind of comes with the territory. And I think LeBron is just trying to get, get the team you know, geared together so that they can perform together. They're still without Kyrie Irving, and they're not going to be whole until he comes back, and that's we're a ways away from that. So... Um, I think he just sees that, uh, you know, as, as all teams change and that team has shifted just a bit, that they take the responsibility on top of them and, and act accordingly. So I love when a guy like that calls out his teammates. Jordan did it. Magic did it. Doc did it. I'm glad that LeBron's doing it. Now, Kevin, the big story here in New York has been Knicks rookie Kristaps Porzingis. From what you've seen out of this kid, how impressed have you been with his play early on, And considering so many people didn't think he'd be able to contribute and play at the level he's playing at so far this season? Well, we should all have more faith, I guess, in Phil Jackson that he does know what he's doing because he was so sold on this kid. Uh, I've seen him once. I saw him opening week in the Garden against Atlanta in person, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated on a variety of levels. He's so thin and looks frail, yet is fearless taking it inside. He runs with great gusto down the court. He doesn't seem to be bothered or annoyed by, you know, the physicality that may be directed toward him. Um, So all those things really impress me. Physicality, his basketball knowledge, I didn't mention that, but just he seems to have a very nice feel for the game. Uh, Has some swagger, like I mentioned. Just on, on every level... I think he is uh, hes everything they had hoped he would be to this stage. Now, I, I do think that Carmelo and, and what he can bring to the table in terms of mentoring, tutoring, I think that's very important. There's just so much sometimes a coach can get through to a, through to a player, but when you have a peer that can get out there, especially one with the voice and the accomplished resume of Carmelo, when you can have a guy like that get out there and then begin to really, you know, work with you and give you advice and, and get in his head, I mean, that's just going to accelerate the progress even more. So it looks to me like a very good situation. Regardless of what that team does, if that kid can stay healthy, that will signify a winning season. They may win 25 games, but his development um, and, and, and the nurturing of him as a kid and as a player are at the very top of the Knicks' priority list, and I think they're all on board on that. I think everyone sees what this kid can do. If this is any indication of what we're going to see to come 
um, this is going to be one hell of a pick. Kevin, a lot of uh, names rumbling about uh, who Chris Saps-Prazingis reminds people of. When you watch him play, who does he remind you of in the way he plays? Well, that size just makes him so unique. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's at times, um, and this is going to seem weird, because, it, but I think his basketball acumen, and his passing ability kind of remind me a little bit of Agauskas, and I and I always say not not he's much more fleet of foot. He's got obviously the outside shot, but there are things about his game and and his his gangly nature which remind me a little bit of Agauskas, and and I don't think that's a bad comparison, but I don't think it's doing justice to the kid because I think his game will be much more varied. There's a little bit of Nowitzki right there. Now, consequently, we're talking about two European players. And so, Ilgoskis and Nowitzki, those are the two guys, I think, right off the top that I can, I can say that, that uh, just in first blush, he kind of he reminds me. And like I was saying, you know, they're Europeans. So, so I guess that, you know, to bring him into that kind of a conversation makes some sense because I do think they do teach a little bit differently over there. The, the shot-making is is very much atop their list of priorities and and that makes this kid so unique but i don't think we should right now even put him into any kind of category because his ceiling is unlimited where he's going to go how he's going to take this team um swagger uh, basketball intellect all these things you you can see it as, as phil jackson saw it and and he was so sold on the kid uh, you know, it, 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 it serves uh, each very well that he's had this kind of a start. Now, Kevin, before we move on to football, if we had to say to you if you could name one team that's been the most surprising team so far in the NBA season and the most disappointing team so far, what would those teams be? Well, Houston's start would be disappointing, certainly. I, I, can't, I can't figure out why they are, what they are this early in the season. They had some preseason injuries, and I get that. I don't know if it's the most talented roster. I do think that Harden was just playing at a otherworldly level at the end of last regular season. But um, that, that to me, is I, I just wouldn't have expected them to play like that. And while you can talk about the other teams, which are you know above 500, maybe a little bit surprising, uh, to me the Golden State has started like this. Um, and let me, let me go backtrack just a second. The Clippers' struggles have surprised me now they've got eight new players and and you know it's, it's just always different when you're bringing in that group even though you've got your core remaining with paul and deandre jordan and certainly blake griffin who's really playing well uh, you know jamal crawford is still there but you still bring eight nine new guys in there it changes things it really does and i, and I think that's what that's what we've got to appreciate about maybe their so-so start uh, but Golden State, to start the way they have, few defending champions have ever had this kind of start. Uh, and and the, the reasons are varied. You're a little bit uh, maybe complacent after last year, tough to find the motivation, on and on and on. And just repeating in this day and age of professional sports has proven to be very, very difficult. But the way they've come out, and you know, Curry seems to me to be even better than he was in last year's MVP season, and the others accepting roles and doing what they need to do to win, it just goes to show you just how deep and good they really are. 
And like I talked about earlier, the motivation factor and the people kind of taking shots at their title from a year ago, it's been kind of like the perfect storm. They're engaged. Their head coach is gone. Maybe they feel more responsibility that Kerr has not been on the sideline. And and they feel like they've got to, uh, you know, kind of pick up the, the slack a little bit. Whatever it is, it's all paying off. So, so uh, biggest surprise would probably be Golden State because you just don't see a defending champion come out of the blocks this strong this early. And the disappointment would be the Rockets and, and maybe to a lesser degree the Clippers. Kevin, switching over to the NFL, you have the call of the Jets and the Texans on Sunday. The Jets started off 4-1, and one, now sit at 5-4. and four. What do you make of their struggles the last uh, three or four weeks? Well, I, I just think it's kind of what the NFL is all about. I just think that the National Football League is filled with parity, and you're going to have a, a roller coaster when you've got teams that are, you know, 500 ball clubs. The, the, the uh, line is thin, as we all know, from team to team. The good teams seem to find a way. The okay teams, like the Jets, you know, are kind of picking and poking their way each and every week where they're going to find some success one week and then they're going to struggle the next. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I could really, you know, obviously losing Fitzpatrick, um, you know, that in, in the Oakland game, that was a factor, I thought, in that particular game. His health is going to be key. We know he just had the thumb surgery. And it's his non-throwing hand, which is good, but it's a pain tolerance level now for Ryan that, that is really going to be monitored. Um, so I kind of think they're like a lot of teams, to be quite honest. They're like uh, Kansas City and not too different from the Bills and like the team they're playing this weekend, the Houston Texans. All these teams kind of, you know, Oakland, they're all kind of right in that mid-area, as, as their records would indicate. So I, I think this is one time where you can say, yeah, we've got a couple teams that, that really are, are just terrific in so many ways, and then we've got some that, uh, that you know, are flawed, and the Jets, uh, you know, have got some flaws. And um, we'll just kind of find out now really what they're worth when we get into December. That's, you know, I, I've always kind of said the way the NFL is set up right now, if you can get to December and be 500 and look no further than the Giants a couple years ago who were 500 and finished out strong in December, Green Bay did the same thing and both won world championships. So, um, you know, who's to say the Jets couldn't be in that category? But health will be huge, and, and we'll kind of have to monitor just how they, they work here through the month of November. But, but when they get to December, I think that's going to be the clear indication. The good teams always seem to tighten the screws, and the bad teams – uh, are, are ordinary, and, and, and those those flaws come out even more, um, you know, indelibly when we get to the month of December. And we're talking with Kevin Harlan. And, Kevin, you mentioned the Texans, the team that the Jets will play that you'll have the call on CBS at 1 o'clock on Sunday. They come into the game after upsetting the Bengals on Monday Night Football. What did you see from them on Monday, and specifically their defense that held Andy Dalton and the really good Bengals team to only six points? Yeah, I was, I was stunned with that final um called that game with uh with boomer and we were talking as we were leaving the stadium it, i mean it's hard to kind of pinpoint what was going on um you know bengals averaged 28 points they scored six it just it just it just was not their night and i can't say that it was one thing or the other um a you know aj green was very quiet i thought in that game when he really had to come up big the the, the ones that are great always do and i do consider green great but for whatever reason, he was off. Andy Dalton's game wasn't like we had seen, and he had been playing kind of in an MVP category, um, you know, throughout 
the first eight games of the season. I think, you know, sometimes you get to that level, you're on national TV, um, another team comes in incredibly motivated. They've got, they feel like, like they've kind of got nothing to lose. They've lost their best offensive player in Arian Foster, the running back. And, uh, and as it turned out, they had to go to a backup quarterback who hadn't thrown a pass all year to pull it out. I, I don't know that, that, uh, I, any red flags were, were raised with Cincinnati. It's just, just, uh, maybe, you know, just kind of a confluence of, of different things. You know, they had played so well. Uh, they've got some pretty big games coming up, and maybe they exhaled for a minute. Um, you know, the quarterback's got to be kind of on for that team to go, and he wasn't. That could have been another reason. They couldn't. And, and, then, and then let's never take anything away from the opponent. You know, the Texans have a top 15 defense in the NFL. They've got J.J. Watt, and those guys are motivated too. And they think that they've got a shot. And you know what? In that division, they're right. They're tied for first place. So they had a lot to play for. And I, I, that's a proud team. They were nine and seven last year. The Texans were. So it's 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 like it, with everything. It's never one reason. It's a lot of them. And I think that game kind of falls into that category. Kind of hard to pinpoint one specific thing for the Bengals, and, and the same for the Texans. Although for Houston, to me, maybe it was a little bit more clear. You know, luck is going to be gone now for the Colts for a while with an injury, the lacerated kidney. That opens the door for the Texans. And I, I think they they feel an opportunity has been laid upon them. I think they kind of restarted their season. And uh, that win showed that they did. So they're, they're they're right in the thick of things now. And, and like I said before, not too different from the Jets. Kevin, you talked about the quarterback situation uh, out in Houston. It was Mallet earlier. It was Hoyer. Now he goes down with the concussion. What did you see out of TJ Yates the other night that uh, Texans fans can hang their hat on, that he can be a quarterback that can win some games here and maybe lead them to a playoff spot? Well, that's a good question. I You know, it was Yates who led the, the Houston Texans do a playoff win over Cincinnati, ironically enough, a couple years ago when both Matt Schaub and Matt Leinert were injured. And they went to T.J. Yates, who's out of North Carolina, and he came in and he played well, and he let him do a win, the first playoff win. So I don't know if he, if he leaned on that experience and that time with the Texans. Sometimes, you know, if you're a backup and you're just kind of put into a situation, and this kid was because Ryan Mallett was let go, uh, number one, because he's a knucklehead, and, and it caught up with him finally. And um, so they brought in Yates, who is proven to be a very you know capable, competent backup. And when you don't have a whole week to prepare and think about it and you know get, get whatever emotions you draw upon to become a starting quarterback or get that starting nod in your preparation, you know, he didn't have to deal with that. He was cold off the bench and in the game and played well. And I'm, I'm sure they made they, – they you've got to change the game plan a little bit when you bring in a kid like that. Hadn't taken a lot of first-team snaps in practice. He, he, you know, he really – he acquitted himself very, very well in that game. And we'll have to see what happens to Hoyer. You know, he's going through the concussion protocol, and uh, we'll find out if he's going to get the start or not or not. That's, that may change day to day. But Yates has proven before, as he proved on Monday, that he can play in this league. I don't know if he's a guy that you'd say he's a franchise quarterback. I'm not not saying that, but for you know a handful of games, he, he can come in there and, and carry the baton. And that's sometimes in this league all you need if you've got some pretty good things around you. And the thing they rely on, on most now is, is that defense. And that defense can make some big plays. And now they feel empowered because they've won on the road, they've beaten you know an undefeated team, and they're in first place. So these are all things that I think they're going to draw upon as they go out uh, from this point on.
Kevin, thanks so much for a couple minutes of your time calling into the show, and we appreciate it. Have a safe flight out to Los Angeles. Yeah, thanks so much, Kevin. Thank you, guys. You guys have good voices, and you have good questions. I'll come on with you guys anytime. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Asmund and Budic Podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.